Foreman podcast should not be interpreted as legal advice and are intended for general information purposes only. Welcome to the Burn Foreman Take 5 Immigration Podcast Series. The Take 5 Podcast Series is a weekly five-minute high-level overview on what businesses need to know each week as it relates to immigration. My name is Melissa Azalian. I'm a partner in the Labor and Employment and Immigration Team at Burn Foreman, and I will be your host for this podcast series. I've been practicing in the business immigration arena for more than 20 years, working with clients in many industries, including manufacturing, healthcare, food and beverage, and education. So let's get started and talk about immigration this week. In prior podcasts, we have talked about I-9 compliance and the importance of conducting I-9 self-audits to prepare for government immigration audits at the state and federal levels. And although things have slowed down a bit with COVID in the immigration audit arena, we are still seeing companies undergo the audit process, sometimes based upon a trigger, maybe working in a particular industry that gets targeted for investigation like construction, or other times it's based upon a random inspection. So today I want to talk about the I-9 inspection process and what businesses need to know should ICE come knocking at their door. In today's immigration world, I-9 inspections are conducted by the Department of Homeland Security Immigration and Customs Enforcement Division, otherwise known as ICE. I-9 inspections are actually done by the Homeland Security Investigations Unit. Now, the authority to conduct I-9 inspections comes from the federal law that was passed on November 6, 1986, called the Immigration Reform and Control Act, or IRCA for short. And that law requires employers to verify the identity and employment eligibility of their employees at the time of hire and throughout the employment process. It also creates criminal and civil sanctions for employment-related violations. Now, employers are required by law to maintain I-9 forms for all current employees. And if somebody's terminated, then the employer must keep the I-9 for three years from the date of hire or one year from the date of termination, whichever is later. The administrative inspection process is initiated by what we call a notice of inspection. And this is personally served upon an employer at their place of business, and it requires the employer to produce the original I-9 forms. Now, by law, employers are provided at least three business days to produce the I-9 forms. There may be an opportunity for an extension of time to respond, but many times those extension requests are rejected. Also, at the time that the notice of inspection, or what we call the NOI, is served, ICE will also issue a subpoena for certain documents. That might include producing a copy of the current payroll, a list of current employees with their dates of hire, business records such as articles of incorporation and tax returns, and even things like a list of subcontractors and their 1099 forms if that's applicable to your business. And usually the employer has about one week to supply the subpoena document. Now, ICE agents or auditors conduct the inspection of the I-9 forms. And once they review the forms, they are looking for a couple of things. If they find something called a technical or procedural violation, the employer will be given 10 business days to make corrections. An example of a technical violation might be a missing date of birth in Section 1. But there are also other violations called substantive violations, and those can't be corrected. And those can result in a civil monetary fine for the employer. Now, there are different types of finable violations. One type would be a paperwork violation. Maybe the employer forgot to check a box or complete certain information on the form. For example, maybe they forgot to put their signature or date in Section 2 of the form. 
but there are also what we call knowing and intentional violations. And that's when the employer knowingly hires or continues to employ an unauthorized worker. So an example of when that type of violation would be charged might be maybe having no I-9 forms for a large majority of your employees, or maybe there's inconsistent information on the I-9 form and what's in the file. Some cases, we see that knowing and intentional fines can lead to criminal prosecution as well. Now, monetary penalties assessed against the employer are related to the type of violation. Suffice it to say that knowing and intentional fines are usually higher or more serious for the employer, ranging from $573 to $20,000 per violation, where paperwork violations are penalized a little lower at 230 to about 2292 per violation. Now, during the course of the audit, ICE will notify the employer about how things are going and they may request additional information. So you should expect to receive some correspondence throughout the process. Keep in mind that ICE audit process takes several months to complete. Sometimes it can even take years. So some common notices that an employer might receive during the audit process would be something like, a notice of suspect documents. This type of correspondence is used when ICE wants to notify the employer that a worker or a group of workers are not authorized to work based upon ICE running through the name and information in its government database system. And so if that happens and the employer receives a notice of suspect documents, they are then given an opportunity to talk with the employee and to present additional documentation to demonstrate work authorization. It is very important that the employer take this notice seriously and follow up. Another type of notice might be what we call a notice of technical or procedural failures notice. And this would be letting the employer know that there are correctable things on the forms that the ICE agent would like to see fixed. The employer has 10 business days to correct those, and if they are corrected, there's not a fine. If they aren't corrected, then there is a violation. Now, at the conclusion of the audit, usually the employers issued one of two documents. One, in the best case scenario, would be what we call a warning notice. And this is when ICE maybe has found substantive violations, but they've decided not to issue monetary fines. They're going to tell the employer that they expect future compliance, and they're going to close the case. The other type of notice is a notice of intent to fine. And this would be a letter letting the employer know that there are finable violations and that ICE will assess a penalty. And the, the notice of intent to fine does list the amount of penalty. If an employer receives a notice of intent to fine, there is an opportunity to file an appeal within 30 days by notifying the agency and requesting a hearing through what we call the Office of the Chief Administrative Hearing Officer or OCAHO. Usually this is the best strategy because this allows the case to get assigned to a U.S. attorney and the employer can then begin settlement discussions with the attorney's office. If the employer takes no action after receiving the notice of intent to fine, ICE will issue a final order and the employer must pay the fine. So the bottom line here is conducting periodic online self-audits prepares an employer well if ICE comes knocking. If your business is subject to audit, be prepared and know the rules. In advance of arrival, cover with your office staff the protocol. Who should be contacted if the government investigation shows up at your place of business? Make it clear that documents should not be immediately submitted and interviews should not be provided to government agents without close coordination with counsel. It's a good time to make sure your immigration records are in order should ICE come knocking at your door.
So that wraps up our Take 5 immigration update for this week. I hope this update has been helpful as we strive to cover business immigration issues at the forefront. If you'd like to see any topics addressed or you have questions, please reach out to me at M-A-Z-A-L-L-I-O-N at Burr.com or any other Burr Foreman attorney. And to find future podcasts, webinars, and legal resources on immigration, please visit our website at Burr.com. This series is also available on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening and have a great day.